Proverbs chapter 29. And I want to begin sharing a message with you in just a moment. Let's take a moment and pray, get our hearts focused and uh, be attentive, amen, and listening to what the Lord has to say to us. Uh, I pray that you've come expecting the Lord to speak to you, and, and therefore I believe you, if you did, you won't be disappointed, but the Lord will do something special in your life tonight. Father, thank you tonight. Again, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your spirit who is in us, your spirit who is upon us. Lord, we thank you for the increase of understanding and revelation that flows to us freely. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear tonight, hearts open and receptive. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Lord, we thank you for everything you're doing and what you're doing now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, Proverbs 29, 18 is a well-known verse of Scripture in the 29th chapter of Proverbs. <laughs> Probably highlighted in some of your Bibles. Is in mine already. Uh, it says in verse 18, Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraints, but happy is he who keeps the law. All right. That, that verse translated in the King James Bible says, says it this way. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. A right. couple words we want to focus on. The word trans, that's uh, translated, one translation, vision. The New King James says revelation. Uh, I'm going to stick more with the terminology vision for this message, okay? Even though both give us an understanding and an explanation of what's being said. Uh, a vision is, a, uh, in this context, a prophetic revelation of the will of God, of the redempt, redemptive realities of God. And what happens when a person has no vision? Uh, will they perish? Okay. But, in other words, in contrast to that, a person who keeps the law is a happy person, right? And we're not under the law of Moses, but we could easily, um, without doing that any harm or damage, say he who keeps the word, he who heeds the word of God and everything he says. What happens to that person? They're happy, happy. Sad people don't listen to the word. Sad people don't have a vision, a uh, revelation of the redemption that, uh, that has come and been made available to all of us. If I'm sad, I can be sure I'm not seeing what the Lord has done for me. I do not have a vision of what he envisions for my life and for my future. But when I am seeing the word, when I am keeping the word of God and I see what the Lord has for me, it'll put a smile on my face. 
Amen. And so if things are not going so well for you, if you're struggling with uh, how's my future going to be, if how's my today going to be, kind of feeling a little bit down and depressed, this is an answer that will put a smile on your face. Amen. We're going to be word people. Keeping the word of God will make you happy. How many of the Lord does not have a a gloom and doom scenario painted out for your life? Okay. Even some read about the last days and about the end times and the tribulation and the great tribulation. And there's a lot of darkness that will come to pass in the earth before the end of all things, right? Concerning how things are now. Uh, But that doesn't concern us. For we have not been appointed unto wrath. And if you belong to Him, you, uh, you have nothing to worry about. How, how many know even when the Apostle Paul taught us about uh, the coming of the Lord, he said uh, to comfort one another with these words. Whenever someone hears the Word of God explained or what's going to happen and it doesn't bring comfort but brings fear, I can't see that being the same revelation that the Apostle Paul had. Okay, Uh, I know there's a lot of different ideas and concepts concerning what will happen in the end times. And I can't say with absolute certainty that I'm right about everything and when it's going to happen and how it's going to happen. But I do know this, what I do say, what we do talk about should bring comfort to the believer. Okay, now if someone's outside of Christ, they don't know him. Get nervous. Okay. If fear is present, uh, there's good reason for it. Okay. But still, I can bring comforting words to you. The Lord loves you, and come on in. Huh? (laughs) I mean, even in the days of Noah, uh, should a lot of people have been scared? Yeah. And when it started to rain and kept raining and kept raining and kept raining, you bet they were. Okay. But, but there, were, there was opportunity earlier on. The door was open. Hmm. And, uh, and thank God the door is still open today. Amen. The door, and we're going to be, we're going to rise above, yeah. aren't we? All the judgment that is coming upon the earth in the last days. The Lord has made a way of escape. Isn't he faithful? There is nothing that comes against us or no circumstance or situation that comes our way that the Lord has not made a way of escape. Praise God. He's given us the ability to overcome all these things. And so when we get into the Word, whenever we hear from heaven, whenever we're praying and talking to Him, the result is going to be when I'm following Him, it's going to put a smile on my face. Yay! Come on, somebody say yay! Yay! The Lord wants to do good things in your life, and He wants to take us up and put a smile on our face. And when you're happy, you make a better witness for Him. When you're grumpy and and been baptized in lemon juice and, you know, just have that kind of, uh, I'm just carrying a burden, just kind of sad. Well, uh, man, how can we win anyone with that? That just tells me we're probably not in the Word. Hmm. When I'm getting sad, my focus has changed. It's, it, I, I'm focusing on something other than what the, uh, what the Lord has promised me and what He's done for me. And so we want to get a vision of the goodness of God. We want to get a vision. Here's the title, A Vision of Victory. Okay? 
vision of victory. So if we lack happiness, uh, this is one way to correct that. Now, the first time I ever ministered on this particular subject was, I believe it was the year 1993, and I was on a trip to Panama. And we had a team, group of people, we went down there uh, to minister and do some, do some good things. And we went to this city uh, there in Panama, and the, the surroundings and the circumstances that most people lived in, to, to my remembrance, it wasn't, I mean, it was kind of, it was bad, but it wasn't, people weren't starving. It wasn't to that degree. But uh, compared to our lifestyle, it was very much beneath it. Okay, and and the, how most people lived, it was very much beneath what uh, the average person in our country experiences, and uh, there was just there was a lot of poverty. And I was, as I was walking through this city, and I was getting ready to minister and speak in this church, uh, this message dropped into my heart about vision, and what I was seeing was that the average person that lived in that area, they had nothing to see beyond what they could see. And they saw people all around them who were basically poor and struggling to, ver- to have much. And not to make that the epitome of life, There's, there are things more important than having things, but at the same time, they were living at a very low level in comparison to most people here, and especially in comparison to God <laughs> and the kingdom of heaven, right? And so they were living at a very low level in that regard, and what I saw was that for the most part, that wasn't going to change. Because what they saw on the outside is what they saw on the inside. And unless they could be exposed to something different, they were sure to repeat and reproduce everything they've ever known. Therefore, it was far more difficult for anyone to kind of break out of a very low level of living. Okay, and, and extreme poverty in their lives. Now, in, in our country, um, we don't have it to that degree. There are probably pockets, and there are certainly people who um, have grown up where that's all they've seen, and they have to battle through that just like those people do. But we have an advantage a little bit because there are more people who are successful more people are prosperous, and at least we've seen it before. At least we've been exposed. You could drive there. (laughs) You can see someone who is beyond your current circumstance, even if it's pretty low. But those people in those situations, they they didn't have that. They didn't even know what it looked like. And so as I began to share with them, I realized that the best place for them to change and get new vision is the same as the best place for us to get greater vision and to not live a limited, low life. It is the Word of God. 
And just like a person who, according to this verse, keeps the law or the word of God, that produces sight for them so they can see exactly the way the Lord intended for them to live. But without the Word of God interrupting what they're looking at every single day with their physical eye, they were doomed to repeat it and to continue in that place. Likewise, we have something before us. The Lord has given us the potential to completely break out of what we've always known and what we've always expected to experience. You see, what they were reproducing generation after generation, we're for the most part doing the same. Okay? It might look a little bit different than some of the extreme examples, but at the same time, there are extreme examples even here. And what must a person do to change that? I'm telling you, we need a different vision. Without it, man, we just die. Not necessarily physically die, but things are death works. But with it, it's the beginning of everything being different. Now, the Lord is a victorious God. He was revealed, in fact, Moses called him in Exodus chapter 17 and verse 15, after a great victory and battle that the Lord had provided, he called him Jehovah Nisi. And Nisi meant the Lord our banner, or the Lord our victory. That is one of the things that God wants us to know about himself. That he is a God of victory. He's not a God of defeat. He never loses. Always victorious. That's who he is to us. And over and over in the Old Testament, we see that when people walked with God, they were given the victory. He caused them to overcome their problems and their enemies and everything that would attack them. But we also saw that when they turned away, that defeat was ever present with them. And they would be run over. Now when we come into the New Testament, let's look at a couple of scriptures over here uh, momentarily. Well, let's go ahead and look right now. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 57. What can we expect? What can we live in? 57 says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What do we get? We get victory. How do we get it? Well, it's, it comes with the package. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, included in our redemption and our salvation and the forgiveness of our sins, is victory. If I'm 
just looking at myself and the things that I can do, uh, my strength, my wisdom, my great efforts, I know that I'm going to come up short. But if I will proceed in my life in Christ and make Him the focus, then victory is a very, the very is a, is a part of my nature. It's who I have. It's it's what I have. It's who I am in Him. I am victorious. I am not a loser. You are not a loser in Christ. You've been made victorious in Him. Praise God. Say, what do I have to do to get it? Nothing. (laughs) Zero. It's already yours. You may not have discovered it, but when you opened your salvation box, it was in there. In fact, there's a whole bunch of stuff in there. When you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, so many times we think, good, I'm going to heaven. And that's absolutely true. And, and I'm forgiven of my sins. That's absolutely true. But if you look around, you look around a little bit, you'll find there's a whole bunch of stuff in there. There's all kinds of treasures. One of those is victory. You and I were given the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody say bye-bye. Days of defeat. I'm no longer going under because I am a victor in Christ. Praise God. Second Corinthians chapter 2. Second Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. It says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in what? In triumph in Christ. And through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. What, again, what does He cause us to do? He causes us to triumph. Say, so what do I have to do? Nothing. Because this is something that's in Christ. It's something that whenever we uh, recognize our place in Him, it's automatic. If I'm striving in myself and in my own efforts, that's why, oftentimes why I have failure. Because in Him, I always win. In Him, I have success every single time. Praise God. You know, the Lord created us to succeed. He never create, created us to be failures or losers or just falling on our face every other day. In fact, even if you look at, um, of course, back in the beginning, back when he created uh, Adam and Eve, he didn't, Eve, he didn't create, create them to fail. He didn't create them to lose. Of course, there were decisions made that brought sin into the human race and utter defeat to mankind and all kinds of problems. But you think about even how, uh, uh, anybody ever taken a biology class? <laughs> Do you know what every one of us started off winners? You ever seen the little videos of of the little swimmers? Yeah. <laughs> and let me know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, and there's a there's like a, I don't know millions of these guys, and they're in a race, <laughs> going for the prize. <laughs> And they're racing through the whatever they go through. And uh, guess who won? 
You did! <laughs> Only reason we're here is because we started off winners. Oh, those slow pokes, they didn't make it, did they? And so even naturally speaking, we all came into the earth and the Lord intended for us to win. He intended for us to be successful. Come on now. First place. Gold medal. The very fact that we're here. <laughs> but then, of course, sin enters in and sin consciousness and all kinds of stuff drives mankind into defeat, into a really a pathetic vision. And people begin to see themselves as losers and as failures and what they can't do, what they're incapable of. But thank God we are in Christ. And the moment we accepted the Lord Jesus, He has given us the victory. He's given us the ability to overcome. In fact, remember over in in Romans, we're called more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Praise God. In other words, He was the conqueror. And we're more than a conqueror. How many of you ever heard the boxing illustration there uh, uh, about that? You know, you get you got a boxer, and uh, he trains. And uh, uh, if you've ever seen the Rocky movies, you can get a picture of that. And <laughs> and the gruel, the uh, you know severe training that they must go through. And I remember uh, sometimes high schools will have these um, smokers. They still do that, where the you know people can they sign up and they have these boxing. Uh, matches. Are they called a match. No, but exhibition. Uh, anyway, I remember go, going to one of these uh, smokers one time uh, years ago, and so it's a bunch of amateurs, a bunch of guys who want to be tough, and and <laughs> and nothing nothing against them. They're having a good time, but so they train a little bit. But that I remember they would do three rounds in this one I went to of one minute rounds, and by the end of or halfway through the third round even, or even the beginning of the third round. These guys can hardly move. <laughs> They're just like, oh, oh, they are just so worn out. Just, I mean, just after a couple minutes, I'm thinking, wow, you know, these guys who really box, they're in shape. I mean, some of them, you know, they might have a little flab here and there, but they've got some endurance. <laughs> and uh, anyway, a boxer trains, and, and uh, they go through a lot of preparation, and they get in the ring, and they're in that, you know, 12-round bout or something, and they're given everything. And finally, the guy comes, c- comes out, and one of them wins. And they're declared, whether by knockout or decision, they're declared the, the victor. And they get a check, and... Uh, Their hard efforts have paid off. They get the check, and then their wife comes up to them and says, Thank you. (laughs) What we have there is Jesus and you. (laughs) Jesus and me. In other words, he went through everything. He went through all the the difficult aspects. Going to the cross gave his life for us, and he got done. Kicked the devil's rear end, gave us life, took the keys of hell and death, and handed them over to us. And we said, thank you. I mean, no, he did all the work. We got all the benefits. He was the conqueror, and we became more than a conqueror. (laughs) Praise God. And so the Lord, again, is our victory. He always causes us to triumph. In Christ. Amen.
Those are a couple of good scriptures to remind yourself of regularly. If it feels like you're not going to make it, man, it's not, I don't know if I'm going to make it this time. Man, I don't know if I can overcome this, this battle, this trial, this thing that's happened to me, this thing I'm going through. Remember, you always, you always triumph in Christ. Always. How often is always? Always. Is that true tomorrow? <laughs> but I've blown it 56 times. Always. That means the very moment you say, but I'm in Christ. And therefore, I'm a, I'm a victor. Therefore, I triumph in every circumstance and situation. What's this doing? This is, a, this is adjusting your vision. It's not self-confidence. It's confidence in Christ. It's knowing that He is our source and our strength. And He is our victory. And in that, when we keep our attention on that, I tell you what, ooh, it'll change what we see. If we change what we see, it'll change what we be. <laughs> Amen. Now look at 2 Corinthians. You're already there, in fact. Uh, well, you're real close. Chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It says in verse 18... Well, we can start in verse 16. Might as well. They put a little paragraph in my Bible there. They do that for you too? That wasn't inspired. That was the (laughs) translators. They put the paragraph in there. But it's a good place to start. Therefore, we do not lose heart. That's a good thing not to do. Do you lose heart? Say about yourself, I do not lose heart. I, yeah, I mean, say it other times too. You know, say, I never quit. I never give up. I never get discouraged. Ever. He said, but I do. Well, say different. Say different. Say what the Word says about yourself. Amen. Say, uh, he says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Why don't you say that about yourself? I do not lose heart. I do not get discouraged. I do not quit. I do not give up. I never faint. Amen. Yeah. You're tapping into the Lord's resources when you do that. Say, that's mind over matter. Well, <laughs> your mind is a big key. But it's not some metaphysical thing. It's called applying the Word of God. It's called applying the resources of God by agreeing with Him. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. You ever say that? My inward man is being renewed today. Every day, my inward man is renewed. We know the outward man's perishing. There's no one who's going to live forever physically in this current situation. None of us are. Well, if the Lord doesn't uh, come back soon, all of our physical bodies are going to die. But the inward man is being renewed day by day. So you can get old on the outside without getting old on the inside. Hmm. And how many know what's more important? The inward man is the most important part of you. And so let's get, give some attention to that. You know, we give all of our attention to the outside. We, th- we think about, you know, and there's some attention should be given to the outside. But we know more. We know we are not a physical being. We know we are not just an emotional or mental being. But we are a spiritual being. A spirit that has a soul and lives in a body. Praise God. I'm sure glad we started back there. There's lots of good stuff in here. The inward man is being renewed day by day. Verse 17, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. 
Say, well, I have, I have, my affliction isn't so light. Well, this is Paul talking. Paul, who'd been beat up quite a bit, stoned, whipped, shipwrecked, you know, all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's, if we wanted to take some time, it could get graphic, okay, what Paul went through. So whenever we think our affliction is not light, let's compare to his first. But then more importantly than that, he said, uh, he compared it to the exceeding and eternal weight of glory. In other words, for every single one of us, no matter how bad it's been, whether you've been abused night and day for your whole life, when you get in glory, when you get in, uh, when you arrive uh, in heaven's gates, you are going to look back and think that was nothing. I'm telling you, the person who has suffered the most in this life but has received the Lord, that person, when they get in that place, will look back and say, that was easy. Why? Because of the grand revelation and the comparison of God's amazing glory. Everything else will pale. And you'll not have dreams about what you suffered the rest of eternity. I'm convinced of this, a lot of it just from this verse. But that, because most of us, we can recall bad things that have happened to us. And if we focus on them, and it can bring us down. We can start getting like bummed out about it and thinking, ah, and, uh, and maybe it's current stuff. I'm convinced, though, that in heaven, when I'm looking in the face of Jesus, when I'm in that, and, and when we're in that place, that anything bad, any bad decision I made here on the earth, anything that someone else did to hurt me, it's not even going to sting if, if I remember it, I don't know how all that works, but if I remember it, it will seem so minute and it will not bother me. It will not bug me at all forever. God's presence and glory is that powerful. Oh, there is nothing. There's going to be no suffering in heaven of any kind. We oftentimes think, yeah, that knee that hurts, man, it's going to be great to run again. <laughs> or, you know, we think of some physical pain that we know, man, it's now, I'm not going to have that forever. Well, thank God you can be healed now too. But, uh, but we, I agree, that's, that, that's true. But also mental pain. Also emotional suffering. Also things that people regret and wish they never did and, and they want to kick themselves. That's not going to be the case forever. None of that will be present. There'll be no mental anguish. I mean, no mental suffering where I got a healthy body, but I have all this heaviness. Man, no. Not at all. Why? The glory of God will just shine so bright, you won't even be able to see that. Won't even be able to see it. Praise God. Verse 18. This is what I wanted. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And so we're talking about a vision of victory. We are instructed here to look at things that are not seen. That almost seems like a contradiction. 
I'm told to look at something I can't see. How can I look at something I can't see? Obviously, he's talking about two, ty- two different types of sight. Okay. But it's important to, to note this, first of all. This tells me that there are things that are not seen. In other words, just because it's not seen has no, does not mean at all that nothing's there. He wouldn't be telling me to look at something that's unseen if it didn't exist. I know that's kind of elementary. It's good to remind ourselves of that, though, regularly. Because we can get so in the natural and so limited to what we see and feel in this natural world. There is a whole lot that exists that we can't see. There are things happening around us constantly, including now in this church service that we're in. There are things transpiring that we can't see. There, are, there is provision from God. There are, it's a miraculous realm. There are angels at work. There's all kinds of things, as he said. We say, what are those things? I don't know. Well, I mean, I know some, but he just generalized there. He said, I want you to look at them. Look at stuff you can't see. I have to do that on purpose. It's, I don't have to give any thought or effort to look at the carpet or to look at you. That's natural. It takes something extra, something special called faith. To look at something that I can't see. But I must intentionally do it. Intentionally I must look at stuff. That my physical eye does not know about. God wants us to see things. He wants us to use some different eyes. And just like our body has eyes to see in the physical realm. uh, Our spirit sees things as well and like I said already this is called faith remember the Bible says in 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 for we walk by faith and not by sight but faith is a form of sight but what it's talking about there is we walk by faith not by physical sight but we also are supposed to look at things we can't see okay what's this talking about we're talking about vision here what things are we looking at? When we go through our day, what are we looking at? What we look at will paint a picture on the inside of us of something. If I continually stare at something, that image is going to be created in me. And it will then become what I see when I close my eyes. If I stare at a particular image on television long enough, when I leave that, I will be able to see it without actually looking at it. If I focus my attention on some other unseen realities through the spoken word of God, then when I close my eyes, I can see it. 
And when I can close my eyes and see what Christ has made me to be, who I am in Him, that I have victory, that He causes me to triumph. The moment I can close my eyes and see that in me, that's when that will begin to manifest in me. You hear people often say, I, can, I could never see myself with this. I could never see myself having that. I could never see myself doing something like that. Well, they're missing a very critical step to ever having or doing or being those things. They first happen inside. And then they happen on the outside. I know that uh, in my life, in, in, in ministry, I've seen myself... Uh, in times past doing things when I say seen now I'm not talking about an open type of vision okay that's another thing and praise God for those but I'm just saying when I get quiet when I pray when I'm looking to the Lord I can see myself not in a literal way where I see myself you know what I'm talking about though I think everyone is on the same page I can see myself doing something and there were times when I could see that and I didn't see it physically now for years. But later, there I was. And I saw with my physical eyes myself doing what I saw previously when I closed them. What are you seeing about yourself? What can you see yourself doing? What can you see yourself having? What can you see yourself being? What? That is where you're going. That is the path that you're on. And if the vision is negative, if it's bad, if it's, a fail, if it's something that's not the right thing, well, it's time to change that because you will go toward that. You are heading that direction. But if we can change what we see with our eyes closed, then we can change our course. We can change our, our direction. And for some of us, listen, this is not as easy as a snap of a finger because the image we have has been established over time. Sometimes through the surroundings we've been in. That's all we can see. Sometimes it's whatever we're looking at on the TV. And we're, we're seeing stuff. Amen. And that's been painted on the inside. We've got to adjust that picture so we can see correctly. You don't need to turn here, but uh, in fact, turn to Genesis 15. We'll finish up there. But in Psalm 89, in verse 19, the Bible says, Then you spoke in a vision to your Holy One. We spoke in a vision. See, we all live and communicate by sight. Jesus, when he taught, he oftentimes used parables. And one reason for a parable, of course, it was a, sto- it was a story. It was an illustration. It was a truth that was laid. It was a story that was laid next to a truth. And it was to give people something to see. So as he's teaching, they can see some stuff. And then grasp and understand the spiritual reality and the spiritual truth that he was endeavoring to explain. And so, 
what happens, like I've kind of already said, is many times what we look at with our physical eyes uh, becomes our vision. And if we look at something long enough or with enough attention, that those images we take on and they, bec- they become our own, they become our future. So, so I, can I look at stuff and, and, and not have that be my future? I don't think so. I mean, you, if you change, you can, you can avert it. But if you continually go that direction, uh, that's what's coming. And so it's very important what we look at. Uh, over here in Genesis 15, this is a powerful illustration of this truth. In verse 1, it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? Then then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. I think this is interesting what's happening here. God is setting up Abraham to have some vision. And he told him about how he want, what he wanted him to do. And Abram was bringing up, look man, God. <laughs> Lord. Uh, he said, look, uh, you've given me no offspring. You've given me no offspring. And God said, look. outside he said I want to make you let me, let me find it again here he said this one will not be your heir but one will come from your body that will be your heir well that's a tremendous promise you know the circumstances of, of his age and his wife's barrenness he said you're going to have someone come from your own body that's going to be your heir then he brought him outside and made him look toward heaven and look at the stars well why would he do that it gave him a picture it gave him a vision and he saw stars and what the Lord was showing him it's not just stars it's kids (laughs) it's offspring you're going to be the father of many nations and he looked at the stars and something got painted in the inside of him some image got drawn inside and I think this is amazing. He did that. He saw how many stars there were and thought, wow. And the very next verse says, and he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. What was the deal? He's saying, Lord, 
You haven't given me any kids. God said, go outside and look at the stars. And all of a sudden, he was in faith. All of a sudden, the faith that would be repeated for generation after generation, thousands of years later, we point to Abraham and say, faith, look at the guy's faith. How did it start? He looked at the stars. He went out and God gave him a vision with his physical eyes. He looked and saw the stars and it caused him to believe what the Lord had said concerning him. Someone said, I'm having trouble believing. I'm having trouble getting in faith. A lot of this is vision-oriented. If we can see what the Lord wants us to be, if we can use, come on, listen now, the imagination that you have, the mind that He has given us, how many know that's not evil? Oftentimes, it can be used in an evil way. We've all imagined things and let our minds drift and thought about things we shouldn't think about. But it's not evil inherently. It's of the Lord. Our imagination should be used to see ourselves doing great things for God. Experiencing His best. I think a person in a wheelchair ought to close their eyes and see themselves walking. And if they can see it, before they ever physically see it, that's their future. They'll stay focused on that. That's the direction that they're going. Praise God. And so Abraham believed. And what we are looking at will determine what we believe. And what are we looking at again? We're looking at things we can't see. Okay, Abraham used the natural thing and it created him a vision. And what did he see? Children. He saw what God promised him. A natural thing was a tool in getting him to that place where he could see what God said coming to pass. And it caused him to believe. If you don't have any vision, you won't go anywhere and you won't achieve anything. It's, it's, like a, it's like a builder who's got to have blueprints. They've got to have a vision of what is about to take place. They don't have any vision. What are they going to build? What can they construct? You don't just go out and start building. They must have something before them that they can see. Now looking at this from another angle, we all have a vision. But the question is, what is it? Is it a vision of victory? Is it a vision that's inspired by the very words and revelation of God? Or is it a vision that's simply based upon our limited thinking and what we've experienced in the past and the hurts that have come our way and the people that have caused us pain and the times that we've blown it and failed? Is our vision established and based upon those things? Or does it come from... Again, a revelation of God. And I'm telling you, God wants to give you vision. He wants to give you vision. Every word from God can create in us a picture of better things to come. Praise God. And when we can see it, that's when it begins to happen. When it begins to manifest in our lives. But if you suffer from vision of failure, vision of mediocrity, 
vision of defeat where you can't really see anything ever changing. And sometimes that's an issue. If someone's been in a rut for a long, long time, they have a challenge of being able to see their life different than it has been for so long. But I want you to know, when you received the Lord, it came in the package. Victory. And if I'll begin to look at it, and see myself in Him with what He gave me and His ability and His power, I'll start to see myself coming up, rising up, accomplishing more than ever before, experiencing His best in every way. And each and every one of us can look at things we don't see. And it's what the Lord has said, and it's what the Lord has given us. And if I see it, here it comes. Get ready. Here it comes. You just started on the right path. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you tonight for your faithfulness and your goodness. Lord, you're a good, good God. Lord, you're faithful to us in every way. Thank you for your help. Thank you for your strength. Thank you for your wisdom, revelation, and understanding. Lord, for doing a mighty, mighty thing in us today. Helping us to see. Helping us to envision ourselves with the victory that comes in Christ. Victory over sin and sickness and depression and darkness and despair. Victory over poverty and lack in a low level of living. Lord, help us to see those things today that are unchangeable. Things that are found only in you. Lord, I thank you for touching hearts tonight, for opening eyes. Lord, and for sparking in some a hope, an expectation of a better tomorrow and a brighter future. You are able to do this in us. And Lord, we acknowledge you as the Lord, our banner. The Lord who gives us the victory. And we thank you for the operation of your power your overcoming power in our lives. For this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. And we believe you today that you're doing a great and mighty thing in us. We thank you for it. Praise God. Father, I pray for any person that has come to...